So glad you're here. Hopefully you have your Bibles or your phones or something that you can look at the scriptures with us. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 16 still. We're going to look at just a couple of verses today. Names are so important, right? I mean, we, we put a lot of value in names. If I took the time just to throw out some random names, both evil and good names, we would automatically have some type of feeling or understanding of what that name brings. And we as believers carry a very important name, and that name that we carry represents a far bigger name. It is a huge name. It's a name that really I think we underutilize in a lot of ways, emotionally, spiritually, and sometimes we utilize it just to kind of get what we want. And that's really not what this life is about. This life is about representing something bigger than ourselves. It's about serving someone else over ourselves. And this morning I'm excited to continue this passage of what we talked about or started last week uh, when you watched me from my house of looking at Peter's confession of who Jesus is. And we're going to look at Jesus's response today to that. And it's a huge response. I think it's a response for all of us to take note of. And then we're going to watch next week as to how Peter reacts to that and how Jesus rebukes him. It's very interesting. Peter, Peter's a phenomenal guy and he is so much like us. When we get a little bit of um, courage and a little bit of hope and a little bit, we get a little ahead of ourselves just like Peter does. And sometimes we need that gentle reminder of, whoa, slow down. You're not all that. It's not about you. It's about me. It's about Jesus. And so here's a thought that I have. Here are two verses that I believe remind us of how important our name is. I carry the name of Heinz. I carry the Heinz name. And that's important to me. I represent not just my wife and my kids, but I represent my parents and my grandparents and my aunts and uncles. And I represent the Heinz name, but I also represent the church of Townsend. I'm the pastor of this church. That's a name that I take very seriously. And I, I try to make sure that I protect that in everything that I do because my reputation can hurt those around me. And I want to protect the name that I've been given, both from my parents and from the title that I carry. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. It is better. Now, I know in the day and age we live, many people will just sacrifice their name to get great riches. But what does that do for them? Actually, nothing. They lose respect. They lose their reputation. They are known for things that we shouldn't be known for. A good name is better than precious ointment. Now, we don't really do a lot with precious ointment nowadays, but back in that culture, they did a lot with that. But a name was much more desired than to have that precious ointment. The importance of a name is so vital. And I think you as a parent, when you named your kid, you, you spent some time thinking through the names because you wanted it to be valuable and important and to mean something. When you gave your life to Christ, when you said, I surrender all to you and I'm laying my wants, needs, and desires down, I'm letting them die, and I'm going to live through you. I'm going to allow Christ to live through me and to guide me and direct me. We got a new name. Our name changed. And hopefully we see the value in that name that it's better than what the world offers us. Hopefully we see that it's better than anything we can afford to buy. That the name that we carry now is the most important name than any other name. And that's what we're going to look at today. 
There's power in the name that we claim. There's power in the name that we claim. And I'm not talking about your first name and your last name or your middle name. I'm not talking about your nicknames that you've been given. I'm talking about the name that we claim when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. When we say, I'm giving it all to you, I'm serving you. We are taking on a new name. And that name, Jesus, there is an enormous amount of power. Not to get what we want, but to allow us to live life in such a way to promote him even more. To bring glory to him. A little different than what the world tells us. A little different than what we see in movies and in television and what our media tells us. And we are going to have to continue to stand our ground and keep fighting and keep pushing back to let people know that it's not about me. And you know what's even harder than pushing against the media or, or politics? Pushing against myself. Because I want to be noticed. I want to rise to the top. I want that next big thing. But that's about me. And if I am claiming the name of Christ, if I'm claiming the name of Jesus, that he is Lord of my life, Alan Hines no longer matters. But Christ Matters, And because Christ, Jesus, matters, now I need to live a life that matters. But not for me, for him. That's the sermon today. Have a great day. See you later. <laughs> this game. Matthew chapter 16. Let's get into uh, some scripture because that's where it's at. Listen, you can hear me. I can talk for days on this stuff. But this is where the truth is. Not that I'm sharing mistruths. But this is where it is alive and real and sharper than any two-edged sword, and can pierce us to the uttermost. So I'm going to back up a little bit. I'm going to back up to verse 15. And Jesus has asked the question, who does everybody else say that I am? You remember this from last week, hopefully you watched. And Peter and the disciples give some great answers, some valuable answers. But Jesus looks him square in the eye and he says this, but who do you say? That I am. And I hope that you took this past week to look in the mirror and ask the question Who do you, Alan, say that Jesus is? Who is he to you? What does that mean? What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to be a Christian, a follower of Christ? What does Jesus mean to you? And again, we see Simon Peter's answer in verse 16. He says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And we'll revisit that in just a minute. And Jesus answers in 17 and says to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. He's like, nobody told you this. This is deeper than information that can be shared person to person. This is deeper than knowledge that you just read and get. This is from something that is out of your control that the Spirit of the living God reveals to you to recognize that there's something special about Jesus. And I believe, I am confident, that Jesus, excuse me, that the Spirit of God spends hours upon hours every day poking at us in hopes that we will see Jesus at work somewhere, somehow. I believe hours and hours is spent by the Spirit of God, no matter what we're doing, no matter what the world is doing, and He is poking every person to say, hey, I'm here. I'm right here. 
whether they have the word of God or not, the Spirit can do amazing things. He can reveal himself in so many different ways. And Jesus lets Peter know, hey, you didn't get that just from watching me. The Spirit from my Father has turned your vision from what you know and understand from the old to here it is in front of your face. And here's where we get to where we want to be today. Jesus continues and he says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now if we were to go back uh, or forward into some of the Gospels, we will find where Jesus, instead of calling him by his first name, he goes by his surname, Peter. Which Peter has a totally different meaning. It means rock. And he tells Peter, I'm calling you this name for a reason. Because what I want to do going forward, I need you to recognize that the name that you're carrying means something. It's a powerful name. It is a solid name. It is a name in which I'm going to use to build my church on. Now there's a lot of different meanings that can go in that little passage, that little statement of, on this I will build my church. And we're going to look at that because there are three distinct different things that we can look at. And I think they all three apply. Verse 19, Jesus says to Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Meaning this, whatever you set out as spiritual truth comes from heaven and the things that come from heaven set things in motion as true or not. And the things that heaven says, that the word says that are bad, that's the things you need to bind up and get them gone. The things that they say are good, let them loose and let them run. Because they come from heaven. And Peter will be the authority as the starter of the church to make known the things that are loosed and bound in heaven to us so that we may live effective, holy Christian lives. Verse 20. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus, the Christ. Now I want you to notice that it says the Christ. Again, I think I said a couple of sermons before. Christ is not his last name. It's not Jesus Christ. That's not, I mean, that's not Mary and Joseph's last name. It's Jesus the Christ. It's a title. It's not his last name. And by the way, If you use that on a regular basis in a vain way, shame on you. That's not part of the message. That was extra. Just thought I'd share that. Shame on you. Use mine if you got to use one. Mine doesn't mean anything. His means something. His means more than you could ever understand. And to use it in a vain way should not be named among followers of him. Period. Nor should we use God in a vain way. Extra. Get off my soapbox. He says, you are Peter. He says, you, you said it right, Simon Barjona. You have nailed it. You understand what's going on, but it didn't come from anything else except from the Spirit. And you are Peter. And here's why this is such an important name. It means it's, uh, The Greek word is Cephas, which means rock. You are the rock. And in John 1.42, we see where Jesus says, yeah, I know that name, but here's what I'm going to call you. I'm going to make sure that you know the name you're carrying, you're carrying it for a reason. 
The name that Peter is carrying is monumental in what Christ is going to do moving forward. Which tells me the name that we take on as Christian carries so much weight. It is so important. And how we live our life represents and reflects that name. Or at least it should. When we think about a rock... It really means firmness, solid, stability. When you look up the Greek word and and try to figure out what all it's talking about, those are the three words that they come up with. It is firm, it's immovable, it's stable, and it's solid, it's unbreakable. What better thing to build the church on? Something that is stable. Remember, Jesus told the story of building a house on the sand and building a house on a, a rock. And when the the trials of life come, when the wind and the waves bash against it, the house on the rock will stand. It's huge. Confession proved it. Peter's confession proved that he understood what was going on. Which is why he, Jesus, began to speak to Peter in such a way. He said, you've got it, so now let's do some work. Have you noticed the change in Jesus' temperament to some degree going from lovingly dealing with people and just dealing with their infirmities and healing them and now lovingly taking them a little bit further and teaching them a few spiritual truths and allowing them to see his care for them and now he's going a step further lovingly coming along to the disciples to say, it's time. It's time to get to work. It's time to realize who I am, who you are, and it's time to do some things for the Father. And he says, Peter, you're the rock. You're the guy. You're the one that's going to make this happen. Here's his confession. I want you to see it again because it's so important. We talked about this last week. He says, you are the Christ, the Son of God. Of the living God. When we look at those things, the Christ again is the Messiah, the one that they've read about in the Old Testament, the one that was prophesied, the great teacher, the just the guy, the man. He's the anointed one. He is God's son in the flesh. To teach, to guide, to set free all that are captive. But then Peter doesn't just stop there. That would have been enough. Like that is a great recognition of who Jesus is. But he says, no, you're also the son of the living God. Not only are you a part of um, the kingship of of God, the, the authority that he has, the lordship that he provides, not only are you a son to that, but you are son to the living God. This God that we serve is not dead. In fact, he is the only God that matters. He is the only one that matters. And so Peter, through the moving of the Spirit and watching Jesus and understanding his teachings, the Spirit puts all of those puzzle pieces together. And when Jesus asks, but who do you say that I am? Peter immediately speaks up and he says, you're the Christ, you're the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, good job, you nailed it. You're the rock. You're the solid one in this. And with you, I'm going to do great things. He says, on this rock, I will build my church. Now, there are three ways we can take this. The first way is this, is on Peter, as the rock. 
We're going to build the church around Peter. Peter's going to be the man, and Peter's going to start it. And in fact, we'll see in just a moment that he actually does start that. He is a huge proponent in that. But then there's a second way to look at this. Is on this confession, the church will be built on the confession that Peter says. Well, what was that confession? Again, the church is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. It's built on Christ. The church is built on the truth that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, and that he is the son of the living God, that he is no longer dead. He is alive like his father waiting to return for us. That is what differentiates us from every other religion in the world. Because our God is alive. And on that truth is why we are able to do what we do. And so Jesus says, he could have been referring that on that truth, on your confession, Peter, that's what I'm building the church on. That fits, that works for me. But did you know that Christ is also referred to as a rock? In the theological terms, it means rock. There's a a passage that we're going to look at in just a minute that actually calls him, he's the rock. But think about it. Does it make sense to say for us that the church is built on Peter as the rock? Not if we go back to that second one, that it's on the confession that Jesus is the Messiah. The truth holds, the truth is absolutely true, but the rock, the most stable thing that we can have is Christ. Peter wasn't stable. Poor guy. You put him in a pressure situation, he cuts a guy's ear off. You put him in another pressure situation and he denies Christ three times after he said, no way will I do that. But when Christ comes back and restores the relationship with Peter that he had, he was strong and stable from that moment forward. But not like Christ. Christ endured from the moment he was born until the moment that he died and rose again everything that the world could throw at him and he remained stable and solid and strong. The church is built on Christ. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 we see that Christ is referred to as the rock. It's referring back to the Old Testament. Back to the Old Testament with the children of Israel in uh, the wilderness and they're thirsty. And it says, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. God followed them all the way through there, and through his word, he gave them all kinds of neat things, including water from a rock. Because it was Christ, it was his word. So I want you to watch this. In Acts chapter 2, we find Peter beginning the building of the church. Peter was instrumental in this. For us to look at it and say Peter had nothing to do with it would be foolish for us. So yes, to some degree, the church started with Peter as a pillar, as a rock, as a stable portion. The amount of um, court uh, hearings that he had to go through and the amount of defending his faith that he had to deal with, he was stable through those environments in order to establish the church. But it's also on that confession Our church is built on the gospel. We are built not on upward, not on our praise team, not on our preaching. We are built solely on the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he loves us, that he died for our sins, that he was dead, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day in power and victory, and that he's promised to come back and get those that are truly following him. 
That is what our church is built on. Nothing else. All the other stuff, we can wiggle with a little bit. Kind of. But that, I will never wiggle. The gospel message will not be wiggled with. It is solid. It is stable. And it is strong. But Christ is the chief cornerstone. I could pull up all kinds of scripture. You know these. You've heard these. He is the chief cornerstone. The cornerstone is any building that was being built, especially back in the day, and we even do that now, this now. But they find a good flat spot. They lay the stone down that everything's going to be built off of. It's the chief cornerstone. The entire building will be based on that stone. And if it's not set right, guess what? The building's coming down. But I can promise you with 100% confidence that the stone that this church is built on, the gospel of Christ, it's not ever going to be moved. Because it is immovable. The gospel is immovable. Do you see the value in the name of Christ yet? Do you see the weight in what we are carrying yet? Do you see the, the need for us to ramp up our game, to be in the know, to be on our game, to make sure that we are living and representing Christ the way that we should be? Jesus is the chief cornerstone on which Peter builds the church with the gospel message. For me, that's how I make all three of those theories or theological stances work. Because to me, it makes sense. Jesus is the centerpiece. And through the gospel message, Peter preaches Christ. He preaches the gospel and he builds the church to which we are still operating today. Have you ever considered that? How many kingdoms have risen and fallen? But the gospel is still going. The church is still happening. That's good stuff. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 10 and 11. It says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. There's nobody else can put the foundation like he can. Won't happen, ever. The name of Jesus is what we build on. The name of Jesus is what I build my life on. The name of Jesus is what I build my family on. The name of Jesus is what we build our church on. The name of Jesus is what we all should be focusing on and building on. Why? Because it's strong, it's stable, it's immovable. But we build on it while we carry his name. Have you ever thought about that? When you go out, whether it's to the movies or to a bar or to karaoke or I don't know where you go. You ever considered maybe for one second that I'm going into this place carrying the name of Christ? Or do we do what a lot of us do and say, well, I'm only that when I really need to be. I'm going to take that hat or that shirt off and set it aside and go be Alan for a little while. And then I'll come back and be Christian. I'm not trying to make us feel guilty. I'm not trying to make you question everything that you do. But here's what I'm trying to get us to do. Pay attention to the name that we're carrying. If you claim the name of Christ, if you claim the name of Christian, if you truly 
let people know and believe in your heart that you are following Christ the best that you can, you are carrying a name that is not yours. A lot of times when I was doing youth work and we would go into restaurants and or, or to any water, or not water park, but any kind of uh, outing with the teens. Usually one of the last things I would say to them before we get off the bus and go in, I would say, here's the thing. I'm not your mom and I'm not your dad. And you don't represent me right now. You represent our church. And how you act will determine how people think about our church. That's important to me. And I want you to know that when you leave here today, you don't necessarily represent me. You don't necessarily represent your parents. You don't necessarily represent your kids. But when you leave here today and walk out those doors and go do whatever you do today, let me tell you who you represent. If you are a child of God, if you have committed your life to him, surrendered all, you represent the name of Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the son of the living God, the king of kings and Lord of lords. That is the name that you carry wherever you go, doing whatever you do, saying and thinking whatever you say and think. That's the name you represent. I get so frustrated. I'm going to get on a soapbox here just for a quick second. I get so frustrated with people getting disenfranchised with church because of Christians who forgot the name that they were carrying. Shame on us. Man, I never want to embarrass my parents. Ever. I never want to embarrass my wife, even though I do it regularly. I never want to embarrass my coworkers or especially my church or my title. But let me tell you what worries me the most. And the one thing that I try to pay attention more than anything else, I do not want to disgrace the name of Jesus. Some of you wonder why our staff do things a certain way. Why we kind of go above and beyond. Let me tell you why. Because there are people leaving church for pastors who decide to live on the edge and make a mistake because they weren't paying attention and respecting the name of Christ. And I'm not interested in being named among them. And I don't think Charlie is. I don't think Janice is. I know Tim's not. Not interested in that. Now you may think that's extreme, but it's the position every single one of us should take. Every single time. If that means I need to stop drinking sweet tea and Dr. Pepper, then guess what? I need to stop drinking sweet tea and Dr. Pepper. If that means I need to get control of my body, then I need to get control of my body. If that means I need to start thinking right, then I need to start thinking right. If that means I've got baggage that is holding me back and not allowing me to experience the freedom and joy in Christ, then guess what? Find somebody to help you. We have a responsibility with the name that we carry to do all that we possibly can to make it right and to live life to respectfully carry the name of Jesus, the one who went to the cross after brutally being beaten, bleeding, and lovingly said, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Are you kidding me? That's the one who died for you. That's the name that you carry. But please don't forget, he also rose in power and authority and victory. He will have the last say. 
You don't get into heaven based on what I think, whether you're saved or not. You ever thought about that? I do a lot of funerals, and people try to convince me, oh, what, what, I, I'm pretty sure. You know what kind of position that puts me in? I'm not God. I don't know. But he does. And he's the one that's watching closely. He's the one that knows your inner workings more than I do. And he's the name that you truly carry. All right, off my soapbox. We carry his name, 2 Timothy 2.19. He says, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having the seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone, watch this, who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Please notice that that is not a typo, that it does not say, who names the name of Christ must try to depart from iniquity. Or must do their best. Or I'm striving to not sin. It says, if you claim the name of Christ, you have a responsibility with the name that you are carrying to depart, stop, quit, get away from it. Don't go in that direction. Avoid it like the plague. Avoid it like COVID-19. Stay away from it. Stop. Now, does that mean instantly? Yes, in some cases it does. We've got to stop playing this sissy game of, well, it's going to take some time. No, it really doesn't have to. Man up, woman up, and stop being a sinner. I had to filter that one. We can do this. Now, there are other things that are really heavy and really hard, and it's going to take some time. I get that. But do something. Make an honest effort at it. Let the Spirit of God guide you and direct you and help you in those things. But there are things that we do literally, they're brainless and it would take two seconds to stop. But we don't think there's anything wrong with it. Well, stop thinking about yourself and think about the name that you carry and how it's going to reflect on Jesus. Christian, in case you didn't know, it really does mean those who are followers of Jesus Christ. When you claim the name of Christian, which... Makes me giggle anymore when people say, well, I'm a Christian. I'm like, "Mm, probably not. Because what they're doing does not represent what a follower of Christ would do. And it's only used like three times in Scripture. And two times does it reference specifically a a life following Christ being named as a Christian. That's who you are. That's the name that you claim. That's the name that you're carrying. You are representatives of Jesus Christ. My question to you today is, does your life reflect that? Do people that you work with, your neighbors, your your co-workers, uh, your family, people at Walmart, people at the gas station, do they know, based on how you are living right in front of them, do they even know that you're representing Jesus' name? And that, listen, here's the thing that's so funny to me. Well, I don't cuss at them. I don't give them the finger. I, I'm not mean to them. Did you smile at them? Did you speak to them? Were you kind and courteous to them? Did you take an opportunity to show Jesus' love to them at all? Well, now, Alan, you're, you're overstepping now. I'm at least not sinning. No, no, no. Jesus said, they will know that you are my disciples by how you have You know this, how you have love one for another. Some of the ways that Christians interact inside a church 
is horrendous. No wonder people are trying to get out of here. We can't even practice what we preach. And Jesus, the name above all names, showed us what true love looks like. And we have a responsibility to carry that and reflect that in everything that we do. I love this verse. There is no other name. The name that you carry, that you represent Jesus Christ, there's no other name. Listen to this verse. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those in earth and of those under the earth. That simply at his name, boom, to the knees we go. Do we even do that anymore? What what would it be like when we are overcome by his presence and we hear his name and we just fall to our knees out of adoration, out of respect, out of honor? But what would my neighbor think as they sit beside me? What is the pastor going to think if I do that? I'm not saying that's what we got to do. But maybe we should feel it inside to some degree. You know what? When I hear people use his name in vain, whether it's Jesus Christ or God, man, it makes me cringe more than the other words. And there's some big ones out there. But for whatever reason, those two names just get under my skin because they are my Savior. And they're using his name in a way that just... And maybe, instead of getting fired up in that direction, maybe I should also get fired up the moment that I hear his name spoken, my heart just melts. Because I know what he's done for me. I know what he's promising to do for me. I know what he's done for others. And did you know this? That in everything we do, we should be doing it in his name. If you've never heard this verse, I would encourage you, memorize it. Put it deep within the recesses of your mind and in your heart. It says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. No matter what you're doing, whether it's a shower, eating breakfast, driving your car, interacting with other people, whatever you do, we should be doing things in the name of Christ representing him every single time. Why? Because it's the name you carry. It's who you are now. You are a child of the king. You're an heir to the throne. You are counted as a son. And if we are counted as a son and an heir, then we need to represent the name like Christ represented the name. Freedom is given because of Jesus. Did you know that? Because of his great name and what he accomplished, we have freedom to live life and go and do. We have freedom to to not sin anymore. We have freedom to fully live for him the best that we can. And through him we have the freedom. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Again, that's another sermon all by itself, but it helps with what we're talking about. If you abide in him, then we know that we're following him. And you shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. And then, I know, listen, little caveat here. I know many of us, if not all of us, are looking for something in this life 
to create an avenue of freedom for us that we are struggling to find. Amen. We all want that freedom from the guilt, from the shame, from the whatever it is that's bogging us down. Guess what sets you free more than anything else? Truth. It's the truth. And the reason that we carry baggage for so long is because we don't want to face the truth. Because it hurts. It's too hard. It's too much work. Well, enjoy your misery. Because if you want to be free, it's found in the truth. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. A slave of sin, excuse me. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, the son makes you free. You shall be free indeed. If I were to guess, most of you believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are a son and that the son has made you free. That you're a follower of God, that you are right in there with him, that your relationship is where it really should be. If that's the case, my question to you this morning is, are you living that? The name that Jesus gave Peter was important and valuable. But we see that it's not the name that everything was built on. That Jesus, his name, is what is built on. And if we can accept and understand that when we give our life to him in full submission, we are taking on his name, his representatives. And if that's the case, our world should change real fast. The power that Jesus' name possesses is unbelievable. There is so much power in the name that you claim. There is power in the name that you claim as a Christian that can free you from your sin and your guilt and your baggage. And listen, I know that it's tough. Trust me. I know that it's hard work. I know it's painful. But just like a wound on your hand... It will heal, but it's going to hurt for a little while. But when it heals, it comes back better and stronger. Folks, this morning, you are carrying the name of Christ, but you are not honoring it the way that we should. It may be a little thing. It may be a big thing. Maybe you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never contemplated the idea of carrying somebody else's name because you kind of like your own. This morning, I want to challenge you in that. Here are two questions I've got for you. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Sorry. There we go. Number one, how do I view the name of Jesus? How do you view the name of Jesus? Kind of goes back to what we talked about last week. Who's Jesus to me? When I hear the name Jesus Christ, what does it do to me? Is it just another name? Is it just another word that I use? Does it mean anything to you? That is a Big question that we really should wrestle with. But here's the second thing. How do I represent that name in what I think, in the way that I speak, and in the way that I live? You want to do some hard work? 
Look yourself in the mirror and ask these questions and be honest with yourself. Do I truly represent Christ in the way that I speak to each other? That is something that I've been working on for the last six years. I had a bad habit of spouting off if I was caught off guard or my anger would get riled up real fast and I got a sharp tongue. And God has slowly molded me through his word, through his spirit, and through my friends who love me enough to say, that hurt, you're in the wrong. And let me tell you, it has not been fun. It's been very hurtful in a lot of times where they had to come to me, one, because it's embarrassing that I know better and I shouldn't do that, but two, that I crushed them. If I'm a Christian worth my salt, that's going to bother me. And if they can lovingly come to me courageously and say, here's what you said and how you said it and it just crushed me, then hopefully I can be man enough to say, man, I'm so sorry. God, forgive me and help me. And will you forgive me and help me? And for the last six years, I've been on a journey. Still going. Still got some work to do. But I'm getting more free as the day goes on. Really, things, man, I hate to say this, things don't catch me off guard like they used to. I try to be more aware. I try to be, allow the Spirit to guide me in my reaction and in my speaking. And the way that I think, we all struggle with that. Nobody escapes that. We get these random, crazy, weird thoughts that hop in our head, right? What do you do with that? Oh, I let them play out, man. I let them go all the way. I just, let's see where they go. No, 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 please don't do that. Because that gives way to so much more. Take them captive. Throw them out. And the way that we live. Listen, I am not going to police your lives. I'm not going to follow you around. I'm not going to pick a person a week. See where you go and what you do and how you live. It's not my job. My job is to share the truth, promote Christ, and what he does with you from there, that's, that's on him. But let me tell you something. If you will allow him, you might be surprised at the things that he likes that you do and the things that, you, that he does not like that you do. And again, can we just be courageous enough to say, if I love Christ enough and I'm submitting to him, then you have free reign to go in and, and dismantle the things that don't need to be in there? Can we get to that place? Because that's where we really need to be. Because that is where the truth truly will set us free. As the praise team comes, I want you to know more than anything else, there is power in the name that you claim. And many of you claim the name of Christ, and hopefully the Spirit has moved within your mind this morning and said, "Mm, we need to work here. The altars are always open for you to come and take care of business, to have just a simple conversation with him. You can do it right in your seat. We can meet throughout the week. We can do whatever you need to do to make sure that we get in the right spot and carry his name the way that we were created to carry it. Let me pray for you this morning. God, thank you for your truth. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you for just being so amazing and honest and kind to us. Lord, (laughs) so many times we we complicate this life because we want what we want. But I pray that you would reveal to us slowly, patiently, lovingly, and kindly the areas in our life that we are not representing your name 
very well. Lord, whether we're here in this sanctuary and have the opportunity to come to the altar, or whether we're at home, where we can kneel by our bed or our couch or do whatever we need to do, Lord, call us to our knees before you. Help us to see the error of our ways and to do the necessary work to be set free. Because there is power in your name. Thank you so much, in Jesus' name.